Hello and welcome to The Song Inside, where we go inside people's stories to discover their songs. I'm your host, Dietri Rodman-Struck, piano goddess and song goddess, and I'll be walking people through this journey to find the songs hidden within themselves. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Song Inside. Before I welcome my guest for today, I just realized I never ask people to like the show or subscribe to the show or leave comments on the show or leave a review on the show. So I'm inviting you all to do that at The Song Inside, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc., etc. And that's out of the way now. So now I can introduce today's guest, Adam Bernstein. Yay! Yay for me. What a great thing to be on your show. I I just want to talk to you about writing anyway, whether we're on a show or not. Well, that's kind of... (laughs) You were on my list to have as a guest anyway, and then you said... Oh, good. Yeah, no. You were were there. Um, You said, I want to talk about writing musicals. It's like, great, let's talk about it in front of other people. Yeah. (laughs) Everything is exhibition now. (laughs) Not yeah. everything. Come on now. Well, I mean, everything we're doing in the arts. Uh, well, right. I think that's somewhat true. And then I, I myself have been very protective of all my mm. stuff until recently when I realized I had a good long talk with myself. And I was like, Deidre, why are you so protective of your stuff? Mm. Isn't the in point? What, what do you mean? Well, what, what, I, mean? what I mean is I'm really good about creating a song or a product and then never sharing it. Oh. <laughs> like I I made a business plan, put it in a drawer. I made CDs, didn't do any marketing, that kind of thing. And so I finally had to invite myself to answer the question of why is that? Mm. And is it because I think it's too precious? But no, it's all really just based in fear. Mm. <laughs> it's all just fear-based. I understand that. <laughs> Well, it's easy to cultivate fear because it's not that easy out in the world. That's true. It's not that inviting. It's not like if you go to the ice cream parlor and they go, what would you like? And they give it to you and the transaction's so easy. I don't know. Go to Carvel on Church Avenue. It's pretty easy there because they're really nice. (laughs) (laughs) I I happily would do that. I would happily do that. Um, So – I'm curious, why why did you want to talk musicals today? So what was your thinking? We're going to get right into it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, as you know, and you're on my latest release, which came out, I guess, at Christmas time. I think your uh, house was one of the last houses I went to before the lockdown. You and were I the left my, in my I, house. I left my favorite hoodie there, and then I, <laughs> then I was like, well, I guess that's another six months gone. <laughs> Right, yeah, I won't get it back for a year and a half. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were the last person in our house mm. before that. And uh, so anyway, you know, I put out Flowers, Evergreens, and Louise, which you're, you know, the song that you're on is really, whether I didn't plan it that way, it turned out to be a lot of people's big centerpiece of the record, you know. And for me, it really felt like, I was doing a departure from just writing regular songs. Mm-hmm. You know, it was more this an actual musical kind of style song where there's two people having a dialogue and things happen. I mean, it's 
in this particular song, it's kind of an absurd things that happen and they don't really necessarily make easy sense, but I like that. And and the name of the song is? Um, Margie and the Marxist. Right. To give people some context. Yeah. I'm sorry. I should, uh, should have said that Margie and the Marxist where Margie is based on a person that I knew a few decades ago who would teach me how to cut vegetables in order that they wouldn't feel pain. And I mean, she was really, really, really far out. And I was like, really deep. Can you please share that tip with the listeners? Because I feel like someone might want to know how to cut vegetables without them feeling pain. (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, it was a whole thing. You had to talk to them as you did it. I mean, it's like, like in the movies where the hunter sacri- like kills the deer and then like prays over it and thinks it's for its life and yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. it was sort of like that, but you know, make sure your knife is extremely sharp so there's no like resistance. You know, I guess it's kind of like you know if you were being humane in hunting. You know, I've mm-hmm. never hunted. I don't know anything about that. But um, anyway, so it was about she's stuck in my mind. She was very unique. And I had a bunch of snippets from a bunch of tunes. And I was like, I like this little snippet. I like that one. It seems like McCartney has done that a lot over his lifetime. Like, he has these tiny snippets. Puts them together. Mm -hmm. See if you can make it work. And I liked it. But it was like, you know, I had put out a lot of albums over the years. In a way, I'm the opposite of you. Is that I kind of like, I just put everything out. You know, I mean, I tried to not be like put out the worst shit I write, but like um, I try to put out stuff because once it goes into the universe, it seems to, you might be interested in the experiment of doing it. It does kind of creep into all different parts of the world, you know, that you wouldn't expect. What do you mean? The literal world? Yeah. In the streaming world, you know, you start to go, wow, like this particular song is getting a lot of streams in Albania. Like, <laughs> why the hell is that? You know, wow. and the, actually they start to add up, not in a way that's going to significantly buy you a house, but, you know, it adds up and it becomes like a monthly amount of, we need whatever we can get as artists. So I kind of got into that whole thing with it. So I've put out a lot of music over the years and I'm like starting to go, I don't want to just keep continue the same thing, you know, like what's next, you know, and I don't force it, you know, like I deliberately am not writing now because I wrote a lot and I've been part of a few songwriting projects where I'm not the leader. So mm-hmm. I'm part of the collaboration. That's not the same. Um, and I've enjoyed that and they've taken a lot of energy and, and the product has been excellent because it's really good collaborators, um, Pamela Laws and Jack Petroselli. We, we're in the middle of a record right now. and uh, But, you know, I was like, I've been taking in. I, I make a point of when I'm done with something, it's like, don't, I make the point, don't write. Interesting. You know, take stuff in, write, listen, study. I took a class on Beethoven um, piano sonatas, I said on another podcast, I've been I've been playing those over this whole pandemic. Oh my god! I mean, I don't know that stuff, and like, it's, it's just, amazing. Oh, 
It's the most unbelievable it's, it's, sound. You could play it probably. I'm sure some of it's pretty hard to play, but. Some of it is really, well, especially the slower movements where you have to subdivide everything. But yeah. but there are some, um, I mean, they're just so diverse in a way that I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. It's, they're just amazing. And then some of them, I like have a little system. I'll put a check mark if I like it in like a check with a star, if it's like really, really good. And then I'll like a meh, if it's just kind of okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Beethoven. This one is meh. <laughs> yeah. You know, but anyway, I got, you know, so I've been studying yeah. and I've been listening and I always checking out film scores. A film score I just did is appearing in a, uh, the film score for Bride in the Box that I just did is going to be in the main independent film festival in July. Awesome. I'm going up there. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, we watch a lot of movies, and we've watched more movies during the whole pandemic. So I'm always, like, really tuned into film score music and what's happening there. So I'm like, what's next? You know, what am I going to do? I, I just don't want to repeat myself. I can't just write the same kind of songs. Or, so I have a know. question. So is the, have you always done the intentional stopping of writing after you've written a big, big project? Where do you think that came from? I don't know. I think I kind of, I work very hard in a concentrated way mm-hmm. where I, I mean, this is probably the last, five, six years more than like the earlier years where you're playing out a lot and you want to get a tune in there if you can. I mean, things are really different now. We're not playing out in the same kind of ways as we were. So I would feel like, all right, I don't, it's a very intense headspace to be in constantly. Like you're, you're outside, you're walking, you're doing your errands. You hear, overhear something or you see something, you go, oh, I write in my book. Or I write okay. it in my phone. There's a phrase that might be worth considering. So you're kind of on 24 hours a day in a way. I feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I recorded the stuff. I had friends come in, play on it like you did. And I'm like, time to stop. So I have done that a number of times because it just feels like, all right, it's a big thing to open that door again. Yeah, I know some people just write constantly. Yeah, I'm not one of those people either, but I've never tried what you're suggesting, which is to, after a big project, actually pause. I like the idea of that, to not only reflect necessarily, just to give everything a reset, you know? And and then it's nice as a ritual to kind of say, this phase has ended, closure, starting a new phase. That's yeah. very cool. Well, my let my last three records have really felt like they're of a of a period in my life, and it was really like I was happy to let those close. They weren't necessarily bad periods, but I just felt like, all right, that was documented. This was documented. My last record was a really unusual document, and now it's like I I don't want to repeat myself. You know, we've been writing. You know, we met through songwriting in a way because I think I think we played a gig with Dave Driver. Maybe it oh, must be right. probably fifteen years. Who knows how long ago it was? A long time ago. And then we used to play at your old apartment. Yeah. Or do little songwriting mm-hmm. get-togethers on Saturdays or whatever. <laughs> you know, so like it's funny. You're like somebody I know really through writing, and 
you know, so I just re- you really feel like I had to stop, mm-hmm. you know, and like refuel. And I don't want to repeat myself. And it's easy to repeat. We've been doing it so long. That was my point of bringing up. That we're right. Friends. Well, you've said that a few times that you don't want to repeat yourself. What's the fear there? Is it a personal thing of like you don't want to repeat the the um, the content of something or you don't want to repeat your musical phrases that you're aware that you use a lot? I think everything. Mm-hmm. I get re- I'm bored. I get bored. <laughs> you know, I get bored of other things. I get bored of myself. You know, I'm sure you have your certain devices that you. Oh, you know, for sure. Instinctively you go through and then maybe you go in your editing process, you go, or I usually do that G minor to see, mm-hmm. you know, let that me is know. so funny oh. that you mentioned that one. I taught a lesson yesterday. That was the exact example I used, Adam. Wow. That I go from G minor to C major. I can't believe right. you said that. Quit, well, you're not quit the listening only one. in. Quit listening in on my private Zooms. Sorry. <laughs> outed. Outed again. <laughs> but I get what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. So, like, one of the things that's nice for me in studying something like Beethoven is, like, I can't just listen to that and go, oh, I could play along with that now. Like, I was teaching a guitar lesson the other day. They put on some pop tune by Jason Mraz. I don't remember the title. You know, within five seconds, I had the chords. And I go, oh, these are the chords. We could work on that song if you'd like. You know, I can't do that with one of those sonatas. (laughs) Well, if you could, you would be what they call a genius. What's that? If you could do that, then you'd probably be a genius. (laughs) Oh, right. There are people who, yeah. you know, Leonard Bernstein probably could just go, oh, no, that was supposed to, Beethoven, that was supposed to be a G-sharp there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, right. Uh, I, I like this idea of you su- wanting to challenge yourself and surprise yourself. Um, and back to the the last album you did, Margie, sorry, that Margie and the Marxist is on, a lot of those songs do sound different than other things I've heard you write. Yeah. And does that bring it back to the musical idea? I think, well, it's also, before that, I was taking in a lot of new influences, taking a break from the previous one. My life's different. I'm in a different place. You know, I mean, I've been with my current wife for like seven years, but, you know, we got married only two years ago. So, like, there is new, a lot of new things happening, and... You know, so there's a lot of new influences. And that album was really about me uh, remembering a a lot of drug experiences from high school with my buddies. And that was really the root. So that really put me in a different place, you know, (laughs) than I would be that if I'm writing like a serious tune about an event that happened to me or a political event or something. You know, I just was like everything became... I took off whatever walls there might be. Yeah. Which that was really important and freeing to do that. To yeah. Kind of get us, let's just open the palette. And that's how I feel now. Let's just keep opening it and opening it. You know, maybe I, down the road, I'll just do something that's very similar to what I did 10 years ago. Cause right. you feel like oh, now I can revisit that <laughs> and let's see where I'm at. Well, I want to give the listeners a a taste of this most recent palette. So I think because we've been talking about the album and the song, let's listen to Margie and the Marxist, and then we're going to talk more about that. 
tell something I don't. She says, I wonder why you're dreaming your life away. Pay attention. Do I have to hit you right upside your head? That's Margie. Margie from somewhere. And I am a Marxist. And I don't regret what I have to say. Why is it always pay and pay when businessmen they get away with business crimes that ruin my day? What do you say? You're just a middle-class boy from Brooklyn town, a middle-class boy from New York. You're just a middle-class boy from Brooklyn.
Actually, refreshing. It was refreshing. To hear. <gasps> that was so fun. That was so. You're fun. You're amazing on it. Like, <laughs> what's great about it is because you understand that it's so to be in a character's voice. I mean, you don't know the character really, really right? I mean, although you explained to me before we did it who the character was, but I but also that or you inhabited something, <laughs> and it just really, it really is so great because. It's absurd and funny, but you and you can you have the the seriousness of it, but also the absurdity. It's all coming out. It's well, and I love that you went there with this song because the song in and of itself is almost like a mini musical. It sounds like to me exactly. Yeah, it goes so story. It makes sense to me now that that people would be thinking of this as sort of the the thing that that binds the album that jumps out to them. Because it's so strong. And I think, you know, I was just thinking about musicals. And now I'm remembering that you and I talked about musicals when I was even at your house. Mm-hmm. About it could be something like this that starts the whole thing off in your mind. It's like, well, I have this this thing that could be the center. And then you could build the musical around that. Um, but I, it, it's, I feel like it's brave because I'm mm. still a little bit stuck in my own traditional song forms. Mm-hmm. And I always get nervous in a song if there's like a real groove happening to then change it. But you do that a couple times in this when you let the groove go on just long enough. And right. then I think that's a really a skill that you cultivate, letting the groove go on for just long enough, but then you switch it. Sorry, my cat. I noise. thought that was maybe a baby, but it's a cat. <laughs> no, it's a baby cat. That's actually oh, not a kitty. Baby. It's not a kitty. baby cat. Kitty, kitty. What's the name of your cat? Uh, Zelda and Daisy. Um, they're not babies. They're 12. They're but, just uh, acting like babies because they want food right now? <laughs> yeah, and I... Whatever. So they're... <laughs> Have to I have to lock them out for a minute. Okay. <laughs> They're very loud. I mean, especially uh, Z, who was just was, yeah. extremely loud. Oh man! So but that's a nice thing that you're saying about you know. I appreciate that. Trying to be brave and just, I really feel like I'm so sick of any kind of convention that I have done. Mm-hmm. Like I'm tired of it. You know, I just feel like at this point, I just want to be able to do whatever kind of creative thing I can do and be that that's okay to do that. And, but I'm big into editing. I edit like crazy. So I'm not like, oh, this came out of my brain and I have to do it. I think that editing 
when used as a, another voice, it can be part of the process, part of the music, part of the composing. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think that's a part of you when you get a little bit more experience as a writer. Hopefully, you get more experience as an editor. You know, and right. that you 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 you're more tough with yourself about it. You know, mm-hmm. like you're like, all right, this is okay. Let me explore. Is it really making sense, or do I not want it to make sense? Like, where am, can I be consistent and strong with the avenue I'm deciding to go down? Right. These are such great questions. You and I should compile a list. I think I'm going to have us do this. We'll compile a list for the website of um, questions you can ask yourself when writing. Mm. Um, because. Yeah. And it's good to do it with someone else often because they might think of different questions than you have for yourself. But I remember I was writing and asking a friend for feedback and I was really into, it was a song with three sections and and I thought they worked really well together, but she said they sound like three different songs. Right. And I I think sometimes that can be okay. Um, But in this particular case, I was really trying to make them work. Yeah. was really trying to make them work. And it turned out that, you know, one of the sections in particular should have been its own song. So I cut that out and made it the center of its own song. Right. But it, it's, it really forces you to come up against your own resistance of like, well, why do I need to keep it here? Maybe it needs to go away entirely and it will come back six years later or never at all. Maybe it's its yeah. own song. Maybe it needs to be trimmed. All of these kinds of questions, these critical thinking questions – are important to ask, but then you also have to have a sense of self-confidence that just because the song it didn't come out of you perfectly <laughs> doesn't right. mean that the bones aren't good. Exactly. Yeah, and you have to – it takes experience to know all these things, but it's always good to bounce stuff off and have collaborators or have feedback people. You know, maybe you're yes. not collaborating, but feedback, people you trust their feedback. <laughs> the feedback people. That's the name of our new band. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I've been actually like, I'm dying to be in a band right now. I'm like, I'm so like hungry for a band experience. I want to be with the same people in a room mm. once a week. Doesn't that sound amazing? Like nobody our age does it anymore. And like, I just was so hungry for that. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about it constantly for about four days. Okay. I'm so like, that means that it, it, then make it happen. I'm thinking about it, but it's like, you know. You're the same way. I mean, you're a very accomplished musician and writer. Well, you are. I mean, everybody would agree with me on that. I know that. So it's like, but all our friends are high-level people, you know. They're busy. It's hard enough to make a living so people can't commit to those kind of things that you're used to playing with and you expect, the level you expect. So I, think, I find that it's hard. I think you're right. But I also think that people spend money and time on what they value. Right. And so, you know, you and I both need to just find people whose values totally align with ours and are on enough of a same wavelength that they challenge each other, but are also comfortable with each other so that they, they want to spend that hour a week working right. on the thing that they value. And I don't think yeah. it's impossible. I just think that it is hard in that the people we immediately think of are probably busy and stuff. But yeah. 
But I don't know. I'm feeling really good about what you're saying. I'm getting like an excited vibe. Like, oh, good. Well, well I just think that that you're going to find the people. You're going to totally find the right people. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of my life has been that things open up in some kind of organic way. I don't. I can't force it, and I have to go through periods where it might be rough for a bit. You yeah. know, like you know, just in terms of my teaching work it's like really dwindled a lot over Mm -hmm. and I, you know, it's been hard to get work to fill up work that I lost. So, you know, it's stressful because we have the important things of earning money, you know, (laughs) support our lifestyles. And I find that is challenging right now, but I'm also trying to be like, Things are going to flow in. You don't exactly know what it's going to be or what it's going to look like. Just keep being open. Yeah. Doing your personal work that you, you know, you're doing your listening, you're doing your writing, you're doing your playing, you know, you're taking care of yourself. Like, you know, right. And then, you know, because we've reached a certain point in our lives where we know by this point that if we keep doing those things, that, that the next thing will come. And it sometimes looks different than we thought and doesn't come like right when we want it to. But <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to be patient. I because, know. But I, I have it. The, my experience has been things will emerge mm-hmm. and they'll be, they'll have a lot of fruit. Yeah. And it's like, all right, this is where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, in terms of the musical thing, like, I'm thinking about it, you know, and like, it'd be such a huge challenge. Because, Are you thinking of adapting this last album no, or a totally new, like a new musical from soup to nuts, start to finish? Well, I'll let me tell you my basic idea. Okay, that I yes. Have. You want to hear it? I, are you joking? Of course I want to hear it. No, I'm not. Oh, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'll tell you. But, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, Mary, my wife, knows old movies and musicals inside and out. You know, she used to act a lot. You know, she has a degree in acting, not mutants, not a singing actor, but a act, comedian actor more. So she really knows that world. She was saying, just write one scene. Just write a scene. Let's see how that goes. You know, don't go insane. <laughs> I was like, all right, then maybe that's a good advice. But my idea is this. So picture a portal like on Star Trek that people would jump through to get through an, into another time period. Okay. Right. You know, you see Star Trek, it looks really corny and old, right? Okay, I'm there. I'm Somehow there in my mind. at the same time, Beethoven, we're bringing Beethoven into this, Beethoven and Sly Stone go through the portal by accident <laughs> and end up in each other's worlds. Yes. And it's about the things that happen. Now, Sly Stone is now in the 1800s in Vienna. Yes. Right? Yeah. With all the knowledge that he has, right? Because maybe it's like 1971. He's just done like family affair. Mm-hmm. You know? So like he has a lot of things, but he's so out of his mind due to whatever mental illness he has, acerbated by cocaine addiction. He is not going to have access to that insanity because he doesn't even have electricity. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, so like, <laughs> he has what's going on with him, but 
But I right. think even more amazing is Beethoven, whatever, you know, with all his shit, but his super open-minded mm-hmm. and high-level genius is in 1971. Man, he's going to inspire the 70s fashions in a really cool way. Oh, I thought he was <laughs> getting into the fashion, you know, obviously. That was my was first that. thought. I was like, oh, yeah. When is when have the people in Vienna seen a potent black person? Right. You know, but um, so I mean, think about what could happen with Beethoven. First of all, he can get his hearing fixed. Right. He may not be able to recover full, but he can deal with his tinnitus. Yeah. And he can start to work on that with all the medicine we have. And like, I just have this fantasy that he does embrace a lot of the music that's happening, not just rock music, but everything, like just all the rhythmic innovation, all the right. world cultural innovation. And he's going to meet Miles Davis. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like the, the, um, the possibilities are endless here. Well, that's the thing. I talk, I've talked to about five or six people about this. And they all add their little scene. Of course. We can't help it. <laughs> right. Because it's open. It's completely yeah. open. And I was like, think about how the music could be. Yeah. Get get Bob on the phone. Let's green light this thing. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm playing with that idea. And um, just like thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I haven't written. I'm not going near a pad or keyboard or guitar. I'm, I'm just like. Just thinking about it. It's a fun sandbox to play in. Yeah. And just last night, I have a friend who is a pretty um, well-known character actor who does a lot of TV and movies. And he's like, he had heard me talking about this. He goes, I'm in the middle of writing a musical. I'm stuck. Do you want to help me with it? I mean, we've never talked about collaborating ever. Right. I was like, all right, so we're going to talk tomorrow. I mean, we've never... I mean, I know him peripherally. He's not like, yeah. you know, he's just a nice guy I know. I knew him more over the pandemic because he, we had a movie night on Friday nights right. where people would Zoom, watch oh, a movie, cool. and come back. Yeah, just so we had some kind of connection. You know what's cool? Well, so many things are cool about this, but it makes me think that when you actually put something out into the atmosphere, it's almost like the molecules form around it. And then they kind of flit off and do their own thing. And it attra- it's that law of attraction thing. Yeah. It's like if you had just kept this to yourself, like I so often do by putting things in a drawer, mm. I have a feeling that interaction wouldn't have happened. But it's out there. You're talking about it. That means whatever energies are out there resonating with it can find other energies that are resonating with it because you put it out there, which is yeah. awesome. I'm learning so much from you today. Oh, good. Well, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I'm learning from everyone I talk to who are much more experienced. In fact, I have a friend, it's actually Mary's ex, who we're friends. And he has written musicals and had them performed, you know, right. like you know, from my small runs, like a, a, a four-day thing at a small theater, which is an amazing thing to accomplish for a musical. So much work. Yeah, it's insane, but... I said to him, I go, I'm thinking about writing a musical. I didn't tell him even what about it. I go, what do I need to think about? Mm. I'm going to send you his email because okay. he wrote 
a lengthy, lengthy thing, super coherent. Think about this. Think about this. Wow. This character needs to do this. You know, I was like, I'm like Jeff, you should write a book, man. This is fantastic. Well, you send you know? me that, and I'll send you. I happen to do. I belong to this um, group called Maestra, which is women musical directors and composers. And they do these seminars, these free seminars once a week. And I got on one with Kristen Anderson Lopez. And it was like Musicals 101, which I think a lot of people who have studied musical theater and they've done the BMI workshop or other things, this would have been like repeat information for them. But for me, it was you start with this song. Now, my suggestion is not to write this song first because you need to write the other songs. And she goes through all the orders of songs in a typical musical, how that's different than an animated musical. Mm. It gives concrete examples of each of songs in each of the little categories. It was so helpful oh, because wow. I'm working on a musical right now. Um, it's right. So we did this thing two years ago. Mirabelle's friend, Brooke's dad, Thomas, that was a lot to say. He <laughs> said he wanted to do a, a musical in the backyard with the kids in the neighborhood. Right. And so there were like 10 kids at the time. And he picked this children's book, Six Dinner Sid, about a cat that goes to six houses and gets six dinners and then gets sick and goes to the vet. And so I adapted it and wrote four or five songs. And mm -hmm. because I knew the cast, I got to write for the cast, which is really great. Like Clover was the vet. So right. know, <laughs> it was really cute. And so this time we were going to do it last summer. Couldn't do it. This time we're doing another children's book, but it's darker. It's called mm. Moonfish. It's by Sean Tan. And it's basically about a world where the waters have all dried up and all the fish live in the sky. And mm -hmm. the kids go fishing for fish in the sky. And one day they catch like the fish of all fish, this moon fish. Mm. And they have to go to the exotic fish dealer and, and sell it because they need the money. But the daughter of the story finds inside the moon fish these roe. And so she hides the row because she feels bad. She's the one that caught it and she feels bad because like, why are we destroying this beautiful thing? So there's like a villain song, you know, Mirabelle's playing the villain, Mr. Hyro, and all the chefs are shopping. And and then the end is she releases the row into the sky. And it's like mm -hmm. beautiful. Like we're going right. to have puppets. And, and it's been really good for me because A, I know the actors. Right. Um, and B, I have a script and source material, and I kind of have free reign. We have a director. But it's so interesting in that as I'm writing these songs, the songs are all taking on this kind of bluesy element that mm -hmm. I'm second-guessing. I think because right. the the book is originally based in – you're not sure, but it's it's an Asian community somewhere. And so we've switched some things so we're not appropriating. Right. But – Part of me feels like I'm doing it a disservice by the songs coming out bluesy, which makes no sense to me because they're just kind of coming out. Yeah. But I think it's that thing of what you were saying before of how I'm kind of tired of my own stuff. Yeah. And this is a little different for me, the way that some of the songs are coming out. There's this one that's like kind of a do 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 kind of like a yeah, right. church groove kind of a thing. Yeah, sure. Um, But it's been an interesting process for me and a scary process kind of. I think sometimes like if you have some things are coming out and they have a theme, whether it's yeah. lyrically or musically or stylistic, I think it's worth, you know, 
sitting with it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I often will go, no, I want this to be, this has to sound like, I don't know, whatever. Beethoven, <laughs> Beethoven meets sliced stone. <laughs> yeah, it has to sound like, you know, this has to be like Curtis Mayfield, right? You know? And like, but it's not coming out that way, you know, that doesn't mean I don't love Curtis Mayfield, you know, or. So sometimes it's good to pay attention to those things, you know, like if if it's kind of just going in this direction, whether you like it or not, it's like, I like that because it's like, you're not always completely in charge. We, like our psyche doesn't have to be completely True. in charge of the whole thing. You know? Well, and this is a really fun place for me to play around because the stakes are super low. Yeah. Like I did one, it was in the backyard. I'm doing another one, it's going to be in the backyard. Like, and at least this time we have a director and a, like a neighbor is going to make the costumes and and we want it to be really good. So the addition of the director means we've been meeting once a week. Like all the kids mm-hmm. are showing up. They're super dedicated. Um, on the other hand, in my mind, I hear the songs as they would be sung on Broadway, perhaps. <laughs> and that's not what's going to be happening. Right. But I also like they like everything I do. So mm-hmm. I don't have somebody who's checking me. And I have quick deadlines. Yeah. So... I think it's an interesting, like, first or second try at doing a musical-like something to yeah. prepare me for maybe doing one down the line. Because I, my friends who actually choose to write musicals for what they do, I'm aware that that is labor-intensive. Like, yeah. a labor of love that takes years and years and years and years. Yeah. I know, like Fun Home or something like that. Well, just... anything. I mean, I, I'm i friends with a, lyric, a Broadway lyricist, and so many things just take years in development and workshops and getting off the ground, and then they make clothes right away. And it just sounds like you have to love it and be invested in it, or yeah. it would just break your heart and you wouldn't recover. Yeah, I don't know if I have that kind of patience, but... But you have patience to actually spend the time like you're moving at a pace where you're taking it in you're doing research you're talking to people and you haven't even written anything yet you know yeah i feel like i need to read a few books like, like what kind of books just, like maybe the bio i mean i've read a um, lot of beethoven stuff like i'm deeply into beethoven so like i study music i've read books about it you know mm-hmm. bio but i don't know a lot about sly stone the reason i was watching this special on i think it was HBO or Apple TV called 1971, oh. which is a, a, rock, a rock documentary that just came out about that year and the political upheaval. And it just so happens that that year, there's like 40 or 50 essential albums that we all know and love that came out that year. I mean, it's mind-blowing. In every genre of R&B, soul, rock, I mean, it's just insane how much... in classic music so they had a huge segment on sly who was a giant in 1971 you know he had played woodstock in 69 they were like on the top and then he starts to retreat because he's having difficulties and he starts to record by himself which you know there's a riot going on is more or less him doing what prince did or i should say prince did what he did and uh I realize that I love that stuff. I've even owned a lot of it, but I don't know it as well as I know all the other big R&B giants. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you know, I know Marvin Gaye, you know. Like, right. So let me, let me interject Stevie for Wonder. a second. Do you yeah. think you need to have an extensive knowledge of a subject matter before doing a musical on it? I feel like for this one, which is pretty fringe, so at the, at the core thought now, who knows what it will become, if anything. But like, I feel like I need to be really aware of what these people are like. Right. Just for my own completest obsession. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I want to I don't want somebody to come to me. He wasn't like that. <laughs> you know, I hung out with him in, in, <laughs> in Teaneck, New Jersey or whatever. I, you know, I knew Sly when he was down and out. He wasn't like that. I don't want somebody to come to me and say that. At you know, what you point wanna... do you think you'll know enough to start writing? Like, when do you know when that? Because you could spend the rest of your life learning and oh, learning, yeah. learning. Well, I'm not that insane. I'm not, I I'm, not, I, I'm not suggesting that you are. No, I'm no, just wondering I think, for, I mean, I'm saying for myself, I think I would want to do a lot more listening, you know, really get their music deeper into my, you know, life. And also just know more about their history. And, you know, like, yeah. so what kind of events would happen to them? in another time place based on things that did happen to them in their lives. Right. That's cool. You know, so it's not just like, Oh, he Beethoven goes here and he just automatically becomes a vegan. That's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> well, you and know? also you have the time frame of 1971. So you know where Sly Stone would be in that time frame, but you yeah. get to decide when in Beethoven's life he crosses right. over. Yeah. I was thinking it would be like when his hearing is real bad, but he's not completely at the end. Yeah. So like that's a good there idea. can be some reversal in I mean that's a key part of it for me because Yeah. as I've I'm reading now a book which is it came out in the 20s, 1920s that it's Beethoven, people who knew Beethoven and met him and wrote or were interviewed about him. So it's first person wow. recollections of him. Mm-hmm. You know whether they were people at the post office or students <laughs> or other composers or it's like who... before Twitter, there was this. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's freaking fascinating mm. because they talk about, yeah, I would have Be- I would have lunch with Beethoven for this period of time. And he was like this and he was struggling with this. He would have the, the ear cone and some days were better than others. You could hear, but he was very intellectually gifted in terms of knowing what was going on in the world. He hated Napoleon. Like, you know, he had like, and people would talk about it. He would just, he was really into Goethe, the poet, like, and they were friends, but he would be like, every time you met with him, he would be just singing the praises of particular poets. He's like, I'm obsessed with this, you know? See, I'm already learning so much about him I didn't know. Yeah, well, there's a lot out there. going to be a good musical, Adam. (laughs) My um, 17-year-old self would also be happy because I was on, I was a finalist for Homecoming Queen. Thank you very much. And no we, way! we had to do a, a stupid <laughs> a stupid pageant where you talked about who you would want to have dinner with, alive or dead, and I picked Beethoven. Oh my god. That's so crazy. I did not win. <laughs> you didn't win. Oh man. Oh. You know, people are like my mom because she's the biggest influence on me or you know right, like right, right, I right. Um, picture this. 
your death. Like, you know? <laughs> so funny. So um, I want to segue a little bit, but I'm really happy to hear about this idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to, ha- to have you check in on, you know, different stages of this thing. So I want to keep in touch about it for sure. I, I want to hear the- what you're doing, too, with your current thing. So, like, Well, my thing will be in the backyard of my neighbor in October. So you can come. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to come. I'm definitely going to come. Yeah, come. Want- There's room for like 25 people back there. And I will definitely save you a ticket. Oh, good. I, I definitely want to come because, you know, for me, it doesn't matter who the performers are. Yeah. You know, the I, you know, in the co- scope of our conversation, it's like, where are we going with our creative impulse? Yeah. And I'm, I've been like, really, I get so grumpy about this musical because it's a lot of time and energy. And, but mm. at the end of the day, I'm going to be so glad that I worked on it. And I would not have done it had I not had a deadline because that's just how I am. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm going to be really happy to see where it ends up. And also kids are freaking amazing. Like, and these are just na- neighborhood yeah. kids and they're throwing themselves into this, these parts. And cause we've been so starved for the last year or so. And yeah. we've been just meeting, you know, in person masked in the park singing to get like being together, learning these songs. It's just really um, felt different. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm excited about our backyard musical. I will definitely keep you posted. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think sharing, you know, I mean, you do regular teaching too. So like, you know, sharing these things of musical intensity and, uh, you know, deep, uh, what's the word? You know, just our deep commitment to music as a thing, as a healing force and as a powerful thing in the universe. To share that with kids in your backyard is a really important thing to do. You know, it doesn't always have to be at Avery Fisher Hall. Right. You know, like sometimes it's more important to like spread the word with people you're going to the next day have a picnic with. That's a really good point. I love the way you just put that. And I agree that you also never know who's going to be needing it. It's like our responsibility as artists to put it out there. Yeah. Um, and then different people are going to take what they need from it. And you just never know what that's going to be like. Yeah. Um, and also, I think we are kind of responsible to help heal people with our music, which is partly why I started the podcast is because I wanted – people to listen to other songwriters talking about how music has helped heal them right? and brought them from a darker place into a lighter place. Right, so right, on, right. on that note, um, I want to talk about the song that you picked for today. Oh, okay. Yeah, it actually kind of fits in with the other one a little bit. It kind of does. Yeah. I, we were, um, my kids and I were, stylistically, were jamming. Yeah. I know you, you should check out all of, People check out all of Adam's stuff. I'm going to put all, links to everything so they can – you have a wide variety of stylistic ways in which you write. Yeah. Um, but I love this song that you chose because it is a hopeful vision. It makes me really happy. Um, why don't you talk about it a little bit? Well, yeah, I, I melted all the guns. Well, hey, you know, you know, we were on Facebook. We probably see each other's things every now and then. And like – there's been so many gun 
you know, deaths, gun violence. It's just never ending. I'm sure you feel the same way that I do. It's just the most pathetic, horrible thing that frightening, you know, we have people we care and love about in the world. We don't want to see them get hurt. (laughs) You know, it's like everybody that's reasonable feels the same way. I don't care what they think. It makes me sad that like one of the first things I thought with, I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful. My kids get to go back to school full time. And I was like, I hope they don't die. And like that, that is where my thought process went. And that is fucking tragic. It's true. I was walking with them. I was walking with them to get ice cream the other day. Right. Just missed a shooting two blocks from my house. I saw that. Yeah. And I mean, thank God the people carrying were, you know, retired, as they say, MOS, a, men of service, you know, police, and they had handguns. They didn't have assault weapons like AK-47s or whatever. But the, still the truth is, you know, the only reason we weren't right in the thick of things is because Clover wanted to stop. She was feeling a lot of tension and anxiety. And I was lucky Mm. enough that I was listening to my gut. And I was in a place where I said, she's like, I'm not ready to go. She stopped on the corner of East second and refused to move. Wow. And I said, you know, I was frustrated. I was like, oh, well, let's go get ice cream. Like, what's going on? And she was mad at Mirabelle about something. And and I almost said, I said, let's go any second then. Like, maybe we'll go this way. And she just would not move. And eventually wow. we worked it out. We talked it out. She took a few breaths. And I'm going to cry. Like, we got yeah. there and we missed the shooting. We missed yeah. it. Because she felt something, did something, I was able to respond to that. Um, But it was terrifying just being with them, them seeing all these sirens and people. It was really quiet because the ambulance had come. It was Mm. quiet. And just, it's my job to keep them safe. And I do my best, but I can't compete with all the guns. I want to melt all the guns. This song makes me dream of that possibility yeah i mean i felt like i put this on the previous album i remember all your dreams but i had written it before not for anything and i made a little homemade video just because i i just need to express myself in that way for myself and just to say to everybody i just i'm not down with all this violence you know obviously it's an obvious thing to say but I just want to put it into print. <laughs> that this I don't is think where it's I obvious stand. anymore. I it used to, I would think it would be obvious because I don't want anyone to die. But it's not right. obvious these days because there are people who only want certain people to live. Yeah, no, well, we can once we get into that door. Yeah, we're so. not opening that door. But yeah, it's a horrible door. It's, it's a horrible door. Problem. Well, and but, we're um, doing our part to open other doors. <laughs> I'll post that video. I'll put it in the show notes, too. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, I just felt like I wrote it. It was really easy to write. You know, it's like, God, I'm so sick of all this, you know. And I don't feel like I wanted to say, like, I understand your point of view, but mine's different. Mine was like, hell with you. You know, I'm doing the Superman approach. You come here, (laughs) we just melt all your things, whether you like it or not, and you have nothing. You know, I, I just kind of feel like that's where I was at with it. And it was fun to record. And then, like, I 
put in like the guitar solo in harmony. Yeah. Like like Thin Lizzy. And I just was like, oh, this is fun. You know, that's like a fun exercise to figure out what would they do, you know? Yeah. So that's where that song And went. did you feel better after writing it or did it did it fire you up more? What was your experience afterwards? I've done a lot of political stuff, a lot of political music. And I think it just it's important for me to express myself that way in a public manner. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not like an activist the way some people are anymore. I mean, I go to things, you know, but I'm not just my lifestyle and the way I want to live. Doesn't, I don't want to be that in the public. I'm like, I'm not running for mayor. Right. You know, like, we have enough people I running for mayor already. <laughs> I know, but I considered running for public office, but I just think it wouldn't suit my nervous system. Right. And we're musicians. We have like generations of, people who've gone before us in this public forum, this, mm. you know, protest songs, political songs. I am the same way. And for the longest time, I didn't want to speak out about anything or write songs that were in any way controversial. And then I overheard somebody um, who's a big like thought influencer that um, I heard saying, well, I'm not political. I've never been political. And I thought, okay, that used to fly with me because that's what I would say. And it doesn't anymore because when you're taking stances, that's inherently political. Yeah. You know, if you're pro this or pro that, you can't please everyone all of the time. And I know that because I am who I am, there are like a lot of people in the, you know, woman entrepreneur world or songwriting world or whatever it is that they're like, this podcast is not for me. She's too... XYZ. She's too outspoken. She doesn't like guns, whatever it is. And I'm at the point where I'm like, I really don't care because I have to be myself. Um, Because what else is there? You know? Yeah, I think it's important. I I, that's how I look at it. I feel like we have to be in the way that we can say what we stand for. Exactly. So let's listen to I Melted All the Guns. There's a bullet coming for you It's got your name on it Better not show your face Stay at home Oh 
I melted all the guns. Shoop it to us. <laughs> so catchy. I love, I want this song to become a massive hit. Yeah. Whoever's listening, awesome. you, whoever you know, what, get it to the people that you know. Let's, let's make it viral. Melted yeah, I, the guns. I like that one. It has some good lines in it. I like uh, this better things metal can do. Yeah. That's a great line on a few levels. It's a great yeah. line because, A, true. <laughs> B, concise and funny. Three, the way that it, the mouthfeel. Yeah. Better things metal can do. That's such a good, that feels good to say. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I enjoyed hearing it. I, I, I also hadn't heard that for a while. And uh, that was nice <sighs> for me to hear. That definitely took me from darkness to light right then. I feel like we're recording this on a Monday. It's kind of right. rainy. Yeah. And I've been, you know, like, kind of like all day. <laughs> now I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go freaking rock. I'm ready to do stuff. I want to get out there. I want to melt the guns. I want to write some songs. I want to write a musical. Well, you know, it's amazing that you say that, what that makes me think about, which is always important for me to remember, even though I know it really important for myself, is that I need to be with people. Yes. You know, I'm a social person. I like my downtime. I like my alone time. And I like to create alone. And I'll spend a lot of hours doing that. But I really do need to have people around because I get I. My mind does not like it where it goes. You know, <laughs> it's true. I have, you know, I have issues with depression and like, you know, it's like, it's a lot of shit to worry about in the world. It, you know, I could really get dark if I'm by myself too much. So just like yeah. you talk to other people who are like-minded or cool people into art and music and all that. And you go, Oh yeah, I want to write. I want to do shit. Yeah, it's, you know, that's that, what's so important to, yeah, to it's that connect. energy exchange. It's finding those vibrations that get you out of your own head, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm enjoying this so much to like, just talk about, there's nothing more I want to talk about than like being creative and right. learning about music and, figuring out how to be expressive and helping people with it and all that. Amen. Amen. Cliche stuff that's cliche because it's great. Exactly. You know, know? so I I really, um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so happy we got to talk about that stuff. Yeah. And we'll continue it. We don't even live that far away. It's like, I know the summertime is kind of, I could just, Pop by, we'll sit on your stoop. And yeah. We'll keep shit. it up. Um, I want everyone to be able to find your stuff. So where can they find your stuff? Well, in turn, all my stuff is on Spotify and Apple, all the streaming things. You know, I wish the rate was higher, but I'm very pro streaming. I'm not like, oh, we have to go back to right. 78s. That's just <laughs> moronic. Um so my stuff's all there. I have a, a website, Adam Bernstein Music, which is much more geared towards trying to get film work or licensed okay. music. And, you know, I'm always really trying to get that. And I'm about to really make a more concerted effort with a bunch of companies to try to get more. Because okay. I need to live. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll keep, keep us posted. Yeah. So, you know, my music's around in the normal places. Okay. YouTube, I guess. 
All right. You know, and I'll, I'll link to all these. Um, so thank you again, Adam, for being here. It's been such a pleasure to have you. And for everyone listening, you can find anything Song Inside related at thesonginside.me. If you like these interviews, please tell a friend. And if you know somebody who's a songwriter who might uh, like to share their story, you can get a hold of me too. That's at anchor.fm slash thesonginside. And as always, remember that everyone has a song inside, including you.